hey, you're listening to Chew on That, and here's what we're chewing on today. And even though the scriptures that I talked about that week were about Paul being abused because of his race, for the first time that I can remember as a local pastor, I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me to go back and redo my message. And I felt so heavily that I was supposed to directly address what happened to Mr. Floyd and the fallout that resulted from that. And so consequently, that redo pushed us back a week in the chronology of the scriptures, which caused last week's scriptures, you know, the ones about the sexual confusion in Corinth to coincidentally fall on Pride Week. And it caused another coincidental alignment with the scriptures this week. Welcome to Chew On That, where we take a moment or two to reflect on, chew on, think about, talk about the most recent message from Life Church in Green Bay. Today, my guest is Pastor DJ. Say hi, DJ. Hi, DJ. <laughs> my name is Pastor Scott. Uh, we're so glad that you're here. But before we get started into this week's message, uh, The Crown, I thought maybe, uh, DJ, you could just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I am originally from uh, Southern California, San Diego specifically, um, in the Northern County, there's a small city called San Marcos, lived there most of my life. Uh, most of my family still lives there. My brothers, uh, their families, my parents, they're all there. Um, and then moved here to Wisconsin about two and a half, almost three years now. So it was the first time you lived outside of San Diego? That is the first time wow. I've lived outside of San Diego. I mean, I've stayed places, other cities and different places months at a time, but never moved away from my whole family gotcha. for this long. And it's same thing with my wife's family. So I also have a wife, uh, Candace, and then I have a son and daughter, Blake and Brooklyn, who are six and five. And yeah, we've been tracking it uh, out here for a little while. People often ask why we moved from sunny San Diego to Wisconsin. And in the wintertime, I do ask myself the same question. Yeah. <laughs> it gets Anyone cold. with a right mind will ask themselves yeah. that question. Like I ask myself <laughs> that question all the time. So I love that. And so, so you went to high school in San Marcos. Yep. And then, uh, um, then what happened after high school? How did you, how did you get from high school to ministry? So, uh, right after high school, I started working at a grocery store called Albertsons. Um, my family attended church, um, actually right across the street from the Albertsons. <laughs> uh, we were there, we attended for a while and the, the pastor, uh, at the church at the time, he said, no, why don't you come work for our preschool and daycare and kind of get your foot into the ministry? Cause at that time I had been on the worship team, uh, and the youth worship leader, uh, at the church. So I did that. I worked at that preschool for about four and a half years. And anytime I would teach, uh, in youth or do different things, he would have me come in his office. He would work on, uh, the messages with me, give me pointers, tips. And I, I always say that I probably wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't pa for, uh, pastor Gary West. Hmm. That's awesome. That's yep. awesome. How did you end up here? At Life Church. So, uh, I don't know how many, I guess it's almost seven years ago now that, but I worked for a church called Grace and Oceanside and actually Sean and Sonny worked there for mm -hmm. a little stint. 
And uh, I worked for them for almost a year before they moved here to Life Church. Hmm. So they they actually, we, me and my wife always say they were there just for us in that short stint because my wife and I, uh, they married us. Oh, they, wow. uh, we had a miscarriage. They were there for us, helped walk, uh, through that with us. And so we've always said Sean and Sonny have a special place in our heart forever. Gotcha. Yeah. That's so cool. I love that. Yeah. Huh. And then, and so currently you, uh, help do, uh, we used to call it the creative team, but now we're under initiatives. Yes. So like the, I don't know, like the pretty things initiative. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you work, you do that, right? Yeah. Because you're gifted in that area. But then you're also, uh, when we're ready to come off of the COVID and go back to meeting in person, like uh, you'll be the site pastor for our Fox Valley location. Yes. Yes. So yeah, as you said before, part of the creative initiative. So I do a lot of graphic design. If you ever see our life and culture magazines, I, get to do a little hand in that. Uh, we have great teams and everything, but it's, it's cool to be able to, uh, touch some of that. And then also being a part of Fox Valley, uh, throughout the, uh, pandemic, uh, things have kind of changed to where uh, originally pastor Dallas and Shelby were heading that up and now them stepping into a new role. My wife and I are taking over as site pastors, uh, there, which we're excited about. We have a great team, great people, uh, people who served every single week because they believed in the vision of Life Church there. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Well, I'm glad that you're here. Yeah. So, like I mentioned, what we do on True on that is we talk about the most recent message. This time it's uh, Pastor Sean uh, continuing his series, Romans, the Greatest Letter Ever Written, uh, with a specific chapter of that sermon series called The Crown. And so let's just jump right in and we'll listen to the uh, we'll listen to the first soundbite. But like typically happened, a group of the local Jewish community, they refused to believe. In fact, they became really angry. And so Paul was again seized. He was stripped naked and he was publicly whipped again. 39 lashes in front of the synagogue leader Crispus and the entire congregation. And so at that, like Paul had it. He, he picked up his clothes, he shook them out, and he said this, your blood be on your own heads. Me, I'm innocent of it. From now on, I'm going to the Gentiles. And that's exactly what he did. I feel like we neglect to like, think about the word pictures that the Bible draws. Like we just try to, try to read the Bible to get through it, right? Mm -hmm. Or to get that chapter in today or to, you know, just read something. And so, but if you just take a second and imagine this moment, right? Where Paul, you know, is stripped down like yeah. to like birthday suit. Yeah. Right. Embarrassing. Right. Right. He's going <laughs> to bend over a post or something probably. Yep. Right. So they can whoop his back, probably his butt. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, and, probably and the whole thing. And all the insecurity, insecurities, because right. he has scars all right. over from beatings right. before. Yep. Maybe he doesn't like how big his belly is yeah. or like how yeah. Yeah, he's, he's kept skipping leg days so his legs are small or something. So there's all this stuff, mm -hmm. right? And so they, in front of the the religious leaders, right, he gets beat. And so, and then he's like, he's had it. And so rather than like gathering up his clothes and like cowering off and like skittishing off or covering his bits and his pieces with clothes and, you know, shuffling to the side. He like shakes them out right in front of him. It's so like, I don't know, like here's this 
what have we been? 50? Yeah. I don't know, 50 year old dude, <laughs> right? Shaking out his yeah. clothes and all of his stuff's jiggling and wiggling, right? Yeah. It's like, I'm done with you guys. Yeah. Right? And I I love that Sean gives me that context because I feel like that's something that I would have done. Yeah. If I feel like it humanizes Paul. Yeah. Because a lot of times when we read the Bible, we think of these guys are they're perfect. Like they right. don't ever mess up or do anything, but it humanizes them. Like he's he's probably feeling the embarrassment. He's feeling the shame of being stripped down in front of everybody. I mean, just imagine being in front of hundreds or thousands of people and you're for all the world to see everything's out there. He's feeling the shame, the insecurities, and he's probably at the point, you know what? To heck with it. I'm yeah. done with you guys because this sucks. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. And like, and like, and he's not like he's, he's being uh, beat or being ridiculed because he's doing something wrong. Yeah. Like as far as he's concerned and as far as we're concerned, he's telling an absolute truth. Yeah. You know, like, like the sky is blue, but no, it's not, it's not blue. You're, you should be beat for saying the sky is blue and like under a blue sky, they beat him. Right. So like, it's, it's not like he's telling lies and that's why he's being beat. He's telling the truth, which says a lot about Paul to keep, because it would have been easier after the first beating just to say, okay, well, I'm I'm just going to, yeah, I'm going (laughs) to screw this. Right. I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah. Right. But he still goes out there. He believes Mm -hmm. so much that the sky is blue, that Jesus Christ is Lord, that it's by grace we are saved through faith. Right. That he believes so much in that he keeps going back for more and more and more. Yeah. Right. And every time the Jewish leaders are like, nope, that's sacrilege or that's heresy or that's whatever, we're going to beat you. Yeah. And so like, I don't know that I'd have that kind of fortitude. It's crazy to think about because you think about it. He's just, he's talking about something to people and yet he's getting scores. He's getting beaten for sharing uh, a belief, a value, uh, something that is life-changing, life-saving, something that's uh, positive and helpful to people's lives. Yet he's being beaten and tortured because of those things. I mean, most of us probably, like you said, we would have given up after the first time. Like, you know what? I can't take that again. Right. I'm done. Yep. Like, and he, and he's telling, you know, he's telling, he's in trouble because he's telling Jewish people that because he's like, I mean, you're God's people. You're his chosen people. You're the nation of Israel. Right. Like, I mean, I've got you, you've got to hear this. Yeah. Right. And they're like, so caught up in like who they are or what their titles are or what they can have or what they can accomplish that they're like, no, this isn't, this isn't the truth. So for Paul to say, well, the blood, your blood's on your own head then, yeah. because I tried, I tried and you keep beating me. And so I'm just not going to try anymore. I'm just going to focus on the Gentiles. Yeah. And I really feel like and in church history, this is where like, like the, the focus on on Gentile conversion or evangelization, evangelization, <laughs> evangelization. Is that a word? I think event. I don't know. No, I had it, and then you stopped me. <laughs> Gentile evangelization, mm-hmm. right? Like that's where this became the focus. All right, Jewish beaters. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm done. I'm just going to go fo- yeah. focus on you guys, and so and I feel like that's been the focus of the Christian church since that point. Yeah. Like, cause I mean, I feel like the, the population of Messianic Jews is small, like super duper small uh, in and amongst the number of Jews overall. Yeah. You know, like there's very few people that are now Christian Jews. Mm-hmm. And so, and yet, you know, there's a bajillion people who are Gentile Christians. Yeah. You know, most of us. Yeah. Most of us. Yeah. Yeah. If he deemed this to be a matter of Roman law, it would be a capital offense and Paul and all these new Corinthian Jesus followers would have immediately been put to death. 
which by all accounts had that happened, every one of Paul's converts across the empire would have probably dispersed. They, they probably would have caused Christianity to disappear. But Galileo, he saw no threat. He had no interest in their religious affairs, so instead of a capital offense, he deemed this to be a civic matter, which gave the Jews every legal right to pursue the fullest punishment under Jewish law. So they seized Sosthenes and they inflicted the 39 lashes on him. But they did this in the presence of the governor. They were hoping to gather his respect and his support. But he wasn't impressed. So he passed a judgment that since Paul hadn't actually taught in their synagogue, he was to remain untouched. And that judgment left him and his converts free to preach anywhere else they wanted without danger of assault or imprisonment. With that judgment, Rome had become their protector. Any religious leader who attacked Paul would be punished by the full force of the Roman military. So if you listen to this just right, the persecution of Christians under the Roman law and by the Roman government that Galileo here says that if you're not, you can preach whatever you want. Don't preach it in the Jewish synagogues. But if you preach it anywhere else, you have yeah. my protection. Mm -hmm. So in essence, he like he freed the faith. Yeah. Galea, if I'm hearing it right. Now, I'm not a historian or anything, but like I'd want to know more about this, but that's how I hear it. That 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 the Roman em that the Roman Empire goes from persecuting Christians, Jewish Christians then? Yeah. to like being a protector of Gentile Christians. And this guy that that was getting beat, I had his name, I was trying to remember his name. I I I want to say Socrates, but nope, I know it's, it's not, not Socrates. Socrates. Yeah. You have Galileo and Socrates in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Sustine. Something Sustine. like that. Sustine. Sustine. Anyway. Yes. So we're close. Earlier in the story, Sustine's the guy that, that runs Paul out of the synagogue. He says, you can't come in here. I'm the rabbi here. Or I'm the Pharisee yeah. here. You can't preach in here. And he kicks Paul out. Right? But then but then Paul goes next door to start preaching to the Gentiles. And Sustine hears what he's preaching. He's like, oh, my gosh, he's right. I dig that. And so he starts preaching. Right? Yeah. He starts preaching like Paul was preaching, but he's doing it in the synagogue, and that's why he got beat. Yeah, in front of Galileo, yeah. not Galileo. Galileo, which is actually one of my favorite uh, Indigo <laughs> Girl songs. Um, anyway, uh, and that's why Sostine's beat. But then he's like, and but the, they're doing this in front of Galileo to show off the Jews, yeah. like they're trying to flex, right? Yep. In front I, of the, it's the the boy trying to impress the girl. Right. That's exactly yes. what it is. Yep. And, and, and so before, after they get into Sostine, but before they get into Paul, they're like, he's like, hang on a second. Yeah. You're just going to leave Paul alone. And mm -hmm. Paul, you're free to go do this wherever else you want. Yep. As long as you're doing outside of a synagogue, just go do what you want. And I just, you know, when I think about it though, I, I think about how Paul took risks to get the word of Jesus Christ out. Yeah. And those are risks that I don't take. Mm-hmm. Well, you think about it, if he didn't take that risk and, and preaching in that moment, because Pastor Sean talks about it, the church probably would have dispersed and gone wherever and went into hiding. But he declares uh, that, you know what, anybody touches Paul or messes Paul with Paul, you're going to be uh, charged to the fullest extent and we'll handle you that way. But he, because of Paul's risk, 
the church was able to flourish yeah. in that area and, yeah. and in Europe. Right. At the beginning yeah. stages. Because you know, when you think about that too, then you think about how, how much Rome and the Roman Empire has played a part in the Christian faith from nearly, well, certainly from the start of the Christian faith, yeah, you know, and certainly a large part of the Judeo-Christian faith, right? Like where Rome was one of the oppressors, like after Egypt, then there was Rome. And so who were, who were oppressing the Jewish people. And then they were in command when Christianity was birthed. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, and Rome went from the, from the government or the, or the political body that persecuted Christians to the political body that protected Christians to the political body or the geography that like housed the Christians, right? Because yeah. I mean, the, eventually the church found itself, you know, with its home base in Rome, Yeah, you know, like, like Peter was in Rome and that's where, you know, where he started a, the church, like a church. I'm still not clear on this, <laughs> right? Cause I feel like it's, it was a church. Yeah. Hey, that's why we're learning. Yeah. That's why we're learning. So, but like, so then that became like the, like the home base for like the Catholic faith, the Roman yeah. Catholic faith, right? So the same Rome that was persecuting Christians became, you know, the womb for Christians, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, and then that's what I feel like we talked about uh, earlier. We talked about how and it kind of laid the foundation for the Christian faith to take on sort of a Eurocentric, you know, feeling mm -hmm. rather than a, rather than a Middle Eastern centric yeah. feeling. Yeah. There was a time there that um, where the, where the Catholic church, I think either I should know more about this than I don't, but like, <laughs> because at, at some point around Constantine, the home of the church became Constantinople, right? Mm -hmm. Like what's now Istanbul. Yeah. Right. And so that was like the home of church. And then there was like two different sides of the church mm -hmm. and there was a Pope in Istanbul and there was a Pope in Rome. And there was like this, either way, we all ended up with like this super European sort of faith. Yeah that was founded in the Middle East. And now it almost seems weird that when people start talking about how Jesus was a Middle Eastern person or looked Egyptian or was in an mm -hmm. exile in Egypt or was, you know, all these other things. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Jesus has blonde hair and blue eyes. And yeah, I think it goes to show that God's not just about one type of person or demographic of mm. person. Like it started off in the Middle East, but yet he moved and uh, allowed Rome to be the protectors yeah. of of the church, the Christians and floors from there. So it's, it's not about, it doesn't matter where you're from, where you, what you look like, God can use you in any way he wants to use each and every one of us. So I th I think that's cool for me. This, this series, the Bible's come alive. I feel like stuff is jumping off the the pages for me because yeah. it's like, Oh, I can relate it to this in my life or what's going on today. It's, it's been really cool. Yeah. And this victory for Paul and ultimately Christianity, it happened in the first week of July, 51 AD. Come on, man. I mean, I know I'm here and you're there and I know I can't hear you, but I hope that somebody else heard that and was like, hello. I hope that my friend, Pastor Dallas was like, stop it. Like, am I the only one who finds these coincidences exciting? Like, like had I not been on that trip and, and had I addressed the George Floyd thing the week that it happened, I wouldn't have addressed the, the like sexual confusion thing on Pride Week. And, and like, so I would have been talking about this last week and it, the whole 1st of July week thing, it wouldn't have even mattered. But now, because of divine detours, it does matter. There's a, a famous um, 
quote from Albert Einstein where he says, coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. <laughs> and I love that. Like, I love, I love that. I kind of feel like that's kind of where Sean was headed there when he was talking about the timing of his messages with the timing of like current events. Yeah. And there's not, I mean, it's not like no one's life was saved because Sean's messages got put off by week and now they seem to be hitting this current event rhythm you know, that matches what's happening. But like, if it lends credence or credibility, then I'm all for it. And I find like God does work that way. Like, yeah. There's these things that, that people that aren't believers will say, well, that's just a coincidence. Yeah. But the more I believe or the more I trust God, the more coincidences happen and the more that they happen in my favor. Yeah. Yes, you could dismiss it as a coincidence. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're small. Most of the time they're small. Sometimes they're big, right? But either way, you know, I I can look at them and say, you know, this fell my way. Yeah. I know for me, there's been times in my life where I'm like, I'm going through things or dealing with whatever. And it's, they've been hard situations. And I'm asking God, you know, God, I need this to get me through this. And in those moments, what I was asking for didn't happen. But if I had, I look back now on this end, and if I would have gotten those things, I wouldn't be where I am today. God took, gave me that divine detour. Yeah. And he, he knew where he wanted me to be. And God has taken me um, from, from that place uh, to to good places multiple times. It's not just been one time. And it's a, for me, it's just remembering and le leaning on those type of things and remembering that God uh, has great plans for yeah. us, leaning yeah. on those verses that, um, that encourage us. I'm a very impatient driver. And so when I do hit a detour, like I am super <laughs> angry about it. I'm like, dude, I have a place to be right now. Yeah. Because of just how I live my life. Like, I leave when I have to leave. I don't yeah. leave, like, with a 10-minute <laughs> cushion. Like, I, I leave when I got to yeah. leave. And I'm, I hate being late. Like, I feel like late being late is one of the worst things. And so if I hit a detour and I'm late, I get so mad. And I, yeah. feel, I feel like a lot of people feel that way about detours. And mm -hmm. so that happens in our lives, too, where we've got this plan set out in our head. Yep. That this is the route. And mm -hmm. It's got to be this route. Because if it's not this route, then I don't know what's going to happen. I don't yeah. know what to expect. But I know when I have this route. I know what to expect. But then when we get this detour, we're on a new route, going through a new land, you know, doing new things, making new turns, seeing different stuff. We feel disoriented. We feel frustrated. We feel anxious. We feel all this stuff. Yeah. And I find that in my life that in these divine detours, God has done that where like now I'm not like, I don't get so mad about the detours that happen in my life. I still get mad when I'm driving. Yeah. But like in the detours that happen in my life, like I don't get as mad. Yep. At least I don't stay mad. Like I'll get mad and I'm like, oh, but you know what? Like you said, he's seen me through this. Yeah. And not only did I land, you know, at least as good as where I thought I was going to get, but a lot of times I landed in a better place than where I thought yeah. I was going to be. For you know? sure. And so, you know, after that happens so many times, you're like, eh, it'll be okay. Yeah. It's going to suck for a second. 39 lashes or, you know, whatever yeah. it's going to last or it's going to suck for a second. But I know that in the end, this is going to work out and it's going to be better. Yeah. We want to, we want to rush it. We want to rush the results. We want it right here, right now. And like Pastor Sean said, like if the week that George Floyd was murdered, if he would have preached, uh, talked about what he talked about, then a lot of the stuff wouldn't have lined up but because he was on the trip and he wasn't there and right. he recorded ahead of time before the events even happened, 
things have lined up perfectly. God took, and it's not like we planned it or thought about it, but God took us on a divine detour to where things are lined, have lined up with current events. I almost wonder, and I'm going off the book here, but I feel like I almost wonder that if Sean had preached live, not pre-recorded that message, mm-hmm. right, and knew that George Floyd happened, I don't know that he would have, if he would have seen it the same way that he did after having sat in it for a week. Yeah. And so I feel like he came out differently than he would have. And so I feel like the church came out differently than he would have. Yeah. We paid a different kind of attention to the George Floyd thing. Yeah. And George Floyd was any worth more or less than anybody else, yeah. right? Or any of the other people that have died because under the same conditions, yeah. right? But there was something about this thing that was different. Mm-hmm. And it gave Sean, I feel like, and Sonny and like church leadership a chance to say, hey, you know what? We're not doing it the old way anymore. We're not yeah. going to send our thoughts and our prayers and hope that everything gets better. We're going to do something different, right? Yeah. Because then that week was like, you know, there were marches, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if Sean would have been at a place where he would have taken a, an invitation, yeah. you know, to go you know, pray for and march with a rally. Mm-hmm. I don't think he would have done that. But because it waited a week, he was different. Yeah. And then a week after that was like Juneteenth, right? Yeah. And Juneteenth, <laughs> you know... That was an opportunity for, and the church did everything, you know, behind the scenes, you know, as much as they could, just like to help support that as yeah. much as they could. But that's not something that would have been on their radar. Yeah. You know, we've been getting, the church has been given opportunities because of the patience yeah. and the waiting. I mean, I know there's, I know people who wanted a rush statement from Life Church to just go ahead and say something. But because we were able to, or Sean and Sonny were able to sit back and and not speak out of emotion, but speak from the spirit and take that time and listen, I feel like the impact, our impact has been greater. Yeah. We've been able to have more influence and being, being able to partner more with our community. Yeah. And not just doing our same old routine. Yeah. And I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. I loved it all. Yeah, it's been know? great. Because it was... For too long... This is me. I'm way off book now. No, go for it. But I feel like for too long, people who have a faith like ours have aligned that faith to a political party or mm-hmm. to a you know to a governmental system, and they are independent things. Yeah. That, yes, we are citizens of the United States and the citizens of Wisconsin and a citizen of Green Bay or the yeah. Pier or whatever, right? But we're citizens of heaven. We're, yeah. we're a bride to Jesus Christ. And like, like for me anyway, that citizenship, my heavenly citizenship, my eternal citizenship trumps, you know, the 80 years that I have here. Yeah, for know? sure. And so like, and I feel like that pause gave us a second to think about that. Yeah. That we don't. That there's nothing wrong with people voting one way or another or, you know, voting for one candidate or another or whatever. But what's wrong is if you hate people because of who they vote for or because yeah. of what party they belong to, mm-hmm. that our our neighbor is a bigger deal than that. Yeah. Our society wants, uh, I've said it before, that we want everyone to be like we are. We want everyone to think the same way, vote the same way, have the same opinions. And that's not the way... Uh, God has called us. He's called us to be lovers of people, to be kind. Uh, And we become judges of people when we expect them 
to do something and they're not doing it, then we become judges. And that's not the role we were meant to play or designed to play. Right. We're called to be lovers and God's supposed to be doing the judging, not us. Yeah, for sure. Because I think that's what we do. We're comfortable with what, like you say, what looks like us. Yeah. Right. Like lives like us or works like us or dresses like us yep. or, you know, whatever shops where we shop. Mm -hmm. So we're comfortable with that. And if you're not in that, then there must be something wrong with you Yep. because you're different. Exactly. Like I feel good about me mm -hmm. or I feel crappy about me. Yep. So if you're different, then I don't like you. Mm -hmm. There's just a, and you got to stay off of social media, but sometimes they yeah. get caught up in it. <laughs> and there's this video from a Walmart where some shopper like is pushing this stock boy around stock, mm -hmm. stock boy. This is like, I don't know what you're supposed to call him. Like a stock worker. Yeah, sure. Right. And his, his pants were low. Right. And this guy was flipping out on him because he was wearing his pants low. Mm -hmm. Like, who are you? <laughs> like, what are the, you know, because he didn't have his khaki pants up around like his like chest. everyone. Yeah. Right. You know, with his stupid Velcro new balance shoes on because he wasn't wearing that. <laughs> yeah. He must be bad. Yeah. Right. So I'm going to start pushing you around. And that's like, this is the epitome of bully and this is the epitome mm -hmm. of hate. It's the complete opposite of what Jesus told us to do. Yeah. You know? And so when the, when the Pharisees were mad at Jesus, they're mad at Jesus because of who he was hanging out with, right? And he was hanging out with people that didn't look like them, didn't yeah. shop where they shopped, yep. didn't dress like they dressed, didn't obey the way they obeyed, didn't talk the way they talked, yep. right? And they're like, what are you doing with those people, man? Yeah. You should be with us. <laughs> yeah. And so when I think about wanting to be more like Jesus, that's what I got to think about being. Yeah. You know, because you were talking about how we're not supposed to be judging. I feel like that's way above our pay grade. It is. Where even Billy Graham had said, that it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict, it's God's job to judge, and it's our job to love. To judge. Nope, to love. No, yeah. right. Our job to love. Yeah. Our job to love. Holy Spirit convicts, God judges, we love. Yeah. That's as high as our pay grade allows yeah. us. And to think, right? And he made a big deal about this, Jesus. Like, I mean, like if he devotes a whole parable to something, he means it. So when he says, why are you even worried about the plank yeah. You know, or about the speck that you're finding in your neighbor's eye and forgetting about the plank that's in yours. And when yeah. you think about the difference between a plank and a speck, like, there's a big difference there, yeah. you know? And so not just in the fact that, I mean, how do you even see out of your plank? Yeah. What right do I have to condemn you? No. I'm, I'm just as imperfect as you. Drop the stones. I yeah. Drop them. It's, there's no, no reason I need to judge you. Yep. God made you different for a reason. And we are to love each other, yep. be kind to each other, respect each other. And I think once we get that concept, the, I mean, so many great things can happen, but it, we also have to begin to surrender ourselves to, to God and to Jesus and surrendering our wants, our desires, our opinions to, uh, to him and allow him to change us from the inside out. Yeah. Cause we can't, no, we can't. Uh, I, I'm incapable of changing myself. No. Right. But what I can do is say, you know, Jesus, take the wheel, mm -hmm. right? Like I can say, I can't do this, but you can, you know, motivate me or yeah. you know, be, mo you know, animate me towards that end. Yeah. You know, and I just, you know, last week I think it was where Sean was talking about how some people are going to get to heaven and they're going to hear the words like, depart from me. I knew you not. Yeah. Evil grocers, right? Yeah. And who he was talking about was people that were like checking boxes, who were like judging people that didn't look like them mm -hmm. because they felt like they were righteous and everybody else wasn't. Yeah. Those are the people that are going to get dismissed. And so if you're like, 
like we talked about it before, if you're thinking you can just treat this faith thing as a hobby and not a habit, not something yeah, you do every good. minute of every day, mm-hmm. then you're going to get surprised when you get up there and God's like, depart from me. I knew you not. And you're yeah. like, wait a minute though. <laughs> I went to church every Sunday or I gave my offering envelope every Sunday. And yeah. like, she's like, well, I mean, that's all good stuff. Sure. But like what I told you to do was love the Lord, your God with all your heart, mind and soul and love your neighbor as yourself and yeah. go into all nations and tell them of the good news of Jesus Christ. Yeah. This is what I told you to do. And you didn't do any of that. Yep. You ticked a box and wore the nice clothes. Right. Yeah. And I think that's where we get into trouble. Yeah. It's not about that. It's about, it's about, about authenticity. It's about walking this out each and every day. It's about loving others each and every day. Um, I think that's why I, that, well, it is why Jesus says to uh, lay down your cross or lay down yourself, take up your cross and follow him. It's a dying daily of ourselves and, and making it a, a habit and not a hobby. Like, I love that line, make it a part of your daily life, your daily routine. I talked about him earlier, but I, I love basketball. And one of the players I followed was Stephen Curry. And one of the big things with him was that some of the crazy shots he would make, he'd make shots from half court. He would sh- run down the court, shoot a three pointer and run down the court before even looking and it would go in or drive in the paint throw up a shot and somehow it would go in. But what people didn't see was behind the scenes that the, the training he was doing, he was practicing these things. It had become a habit for him to do these things. So when the time came, he didn't even have to think about it. Like it just came sick, second nature. It wasn't a thought. It's just what he lived out on the, on the court. Yeah. It was really cool. Yeah. And, and I'm sure it wasn't easy, right? Like no. easy, not in the amount of time or energy it takes to, you know, to have it become second nature or muscle memory to you. Mm-hmm. And it's painful and it's uncomfortable and it's awkward and it's, you know what I mean? And yeah. so I'm sure there was a lot of hours alone, you know, on the court, right? Or yeah. not, cause you don't want anyone watching how many times you were going to miss before you started hitting, yeah. sinking all the time. And the same thing is true of our faith. Like at first it's going to be painful and awkward and yeah. cumbersome and embarrassing, to live a life like Christ, right? But it's got nothing to do with being pious and holy and Bible holding and yeah. caring. But it's got everything to do with just loving. Yeah. Which, I mean, it should come so naturally to us. Yeah. Just to be kind and thoughtful and caring. It should be the most kind. And I feel like if you do all that all the time, you're you're like most of the way there, mm-hmm. right? Like if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, accept the fact that you're a sinner and without him you're in trouble, but with him you have every hope of you know, eternity and everything else. And you love with everything you've got. I feel like you're like, you're almost there. Yeah. I guess in some circles, I'd say you were there. Yeah. Right. And so I don't know that this idea that you think that you have this pious life to live and it. Uh. Yeah. It's, it's sad. It's hard. And I mean, my hope is that people would do those things that they would love one another, that they would make it a habit that they would, they would practice these things daily because I think the judging happens naturally for us because it's what we do on a daily basis. And I just want to make sure you don't mishear me. Like I, the judging part is wrong. I mean, you can't, keep sinning either. Like you can't keep disappointing God. You can't not at all. Right. You you can love as much as you want, but if you're still like disappointing God, like then those things cancel out. Yep. So don't mishear me. Yeah. So like, I'm not saying that, like, I feel like you can't like if, if, if shopping too much is your problem, you got to stop shopping too yeah. much. Or if drinking too much is your problem, you got to stop drinking too much. Or sleeping around, or smoking weed, or stealing things, or cheating, or whatever. Yeah, whatever your thing is, 
you know, you're called to stop doing that thing. Yeah. And I mean, it's pretty clear what things are sins. And so I guess that was the caveat. I want to make yeah. sure that I wasn't no, just that's saying. that's good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Whatever experiences oppression or opposition you're experiencing, they come with a reward, a crown that will last forever, a promise that he will work those things for your good. If you'll submit them to him and lay them at his feet. I feel like everything we do at home, like with our spouses or with our kids on our jobs, you know, as a neighbor, as a friend, everything we should do, we should do, you know, to honor God or and to glorify God. We should do it so well that we want to like, we want to like do it in God's name. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that's not as holy as it sounds. Like, I just feel like, why would you not try to be the best at everything? Yeah. You know, we're never going to be the best, but we should always try to be the best. We should run the race as though we're trying to win the race. Yeah. And, you know, he talks to here about how you're going to get a crown that lasts forever. And I, at first that, you know, that, I mean, I've known about that kind of verse a long time, but for me, a crown was a golden crown. And when we got to heaven, when we became part of the citizenry of heaven, we would yeah. all get crowns. But I feel like the crowns that they talk about here are from Paul's letter to, you know, Galatia or someplace, wherever they were. I should know that. And I don't, but like, um, <laughs> That they were, he was talking about in the context of like Olympic style racing, right? Yeah. Or Olymp or athletics, right? Where when you won, you got this like crown of leaves, right? This this laurel, yep, right? Like like Caesar Augustus would have worn, mm-hmm. right? And so that crown didn't last forever, yeah, you know. And so if you if you got a crown that lasts forever, like you would always have your fame, yeah. You would always be, you know, as famous as you were the day that you won, you'd always be, yeah. You know, you wouldn't be like Brett Favre, you know, trying to make your way onto the news all the time by saying new <laughs> stuff because you want to still be famous. You yeah. Know? So the crowns we get because of Christ, those crowns live forever. Yeah. And they're green forever. And so that's what happens when you live your life trying to trying to glorify or to the or to the to honor God. Right? Yeah. It's a it's a selfless race. Yes. Is what it is. And which is completely counterculture to what it is today. Uh, Paul's saying like, hey, it's not just about you. It's about others too. Like you're supposed to go out to the, to the world, uh, go out to all nations, discipling, uh, loving, doing all these things to people. It's not just about you and, uh, and being counterculture, to, especially to Western society, to where it's uh, you got to climb up the ladder and step on everyone underneath you. Right. To where God's saying, nope. Hey, let's elevate others. Let's help others. Others. Let's be kind to others. Uh, let's love one another. Let's do whatever we can uh, to be selfless to one another. And you think about Jesus, who showed the ultimate example of that being. Yeah. Like I always, when I think of selfless, I think of Jesus because I'm like, uh, he washed the disciples' feet. Like you think of God in the flesh coming down. Like he didn't have to do anything. He didn't have to do be kind. He didn't, they, in reality, they should have been washing his feet, but yet he humbled himself and served and, uh, uh, elevated those guys and, and just loved them. Right. Yeah. That whole, like the first shall be last and the last yeah. shall be first. There's a verse I'm trying to think of right now. Um, I think it actually was from Jesus's, one of Jesus's sermons. 
but I just want to find it. Real, um, I'm almost there. Uh, yeah, nope, it was from Romans. There's so many good things in there Romans. Maybe we should just stuff. do a whole study of Romans. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, now I've already forgotten what the verse was because I was so busy being so smart. I like Romans 3. Uh, 3, 8 says, you might... Um, Wait, no, that wasn't it. There's a scripture verse that talks about how we should repay evil with good. Yes. That how we should, like, you know, if our if our enemy, you know, abuses us or wrongs us, we should like buy them lunch, or we should, you know, like like do good for them yeah. because it'll like it'll make them wonder like, wait, now what? Yeah. Like, how does this even work? Right. And I feel like, like I feel like that's a challenge for us because our first reaction isn't to repay evil with good. Our first reaction is to pay evil with evil. Oh, you're gonna punch me? Well, I'm gonna punch you. Yeah. Right. And so, or you're going to cheat me, I'm going to cheat you, I'll show you, or even like one-up it. Like I think about that scene uh, from The Untouchables, which was a really good movie yeah. with uh, Sean Connery and Kevin Costner. Sean Connery. And uh, what's his name? He plays Al Pacino, no, not Al Pacino, he plays Al Capone. The guy that's like Al Pacino, but, not a, but Bob De Niro okay. plays Al Pacino and yes. brilliantly acted. Anyway, so Sean Connery plays this Irish cop and he's talking to Kevin Costner who plays... The FBI agent. I should know this, and I don't. <laughs> anyway, he's like, so listen, if they come at you with a knife, then you you know, come at them with a gun, right? Yeah. If they put one of yours in the hospital, you put one of theirs in the morgue, right? That's yeah. the Chicago way. So if I could do a Sean Connery, Irish Sean Connery, I totally would have done it. Just but anyway, <laughs> that's how we that's how we do things. So we yeah. want to elevate it, mm -hmm. right? We just want to, oh, if you're going to be that, I'm going to be one worse than you. Yeah. Right? So now you know that I'm. A, we want to one-up everybody. Yeah. This is the ladder you're talking about. Yeah. And where Jesus and Paul, apparently, apparently, because I don't know where the verse is, uh, talks about how we should repay evil with good because it shakes the whole system. It does. It's something I've, that me and my wife actually have been working through with our kids because uh, as siblings do, they, there's times where they fight and argue. So especially with my son, when his sister's mean to him, he, he's mean to her back and we talk and we explain but, and the funny thing is he'll use scripture against us. You say, well, the Bible says to treat others how you want to be treated. Mm -hmm. And and we say, yes, but that's not what it means. And the Bible also says, if someone smacks you, turn the other cheek. Yes. And, and his big reaction is, well, you, you're going to, I should just let them hit me. And it's like, no, it's talking about, you know what? Just because they're mean to you doesn't mean you have to be mean back. If you, 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 you got to be kind. And if you want someone to be kind to you when you're mean or you do something, because we all do something wrong at one point or another, do the, how you would want to be treated. If someone yep. does you wrong, do how you would be want to be treated if you did someone wrong. Yep. Like and love and grace and, and being kind. Yeah. And I mean, the, and the only thing those things cost you is pride. Yeah. And we shouldn't have pride anyway. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, the Bible's pretty clear about that, that there's nothing, I mean, if we are truly selfless, which is the opposite of selfish, yeah. and selfishness is pride, right? Then there's no room for that. Yeah. And they can't occupy the same space. Nope. The verse I was looking for is Romans 12. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Yeah. Do such things or do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, 
Never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. That's good. Yeah, even going further, it says, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. If doing this, you will keep burning coals of shame on their heads. <laughs> don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. And I don't think that they mean like in a hateful way, yeah. but they'll be steamed is what it means. Like yeah. if you do good to someone that's mean to you, like if you give them food or you give them drink or you're kind to them, it'll make it'll yeah. make them steamed. Yeah. Like you know? what the heck is yeah. going on? Why yeah. are they doing this? Like we got to be living <laughs> like that. Yeah. You know, not looking to make other people angry. I don't feel like we do that. Like I think about like on social media, like people who are on our team, yeah. if you will, like they're horrible about that. They're yeah. horrible about pointing out their enemies and like not, you know, I don't know, giving them something to eat or drink. Yeah. And like I just, we're, it's a horrible testimony, a horrible testament, a horrible example of who God is. Yeah. Because if I'm not a Jesus person, I'm watching this Jesus person like be a complete jerk. Yeah. If that's what Jesus is, I don't want any of that. Yeah. And that's where it's important to walk it out daily, making it that habit over a hobby. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. This was good. It was great. DJ, I'm glad you were here. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. I hope we can do me. this again because I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, it would be. Hmm. So that was it. That's Chew on That uh, for this week. Thanks for joining us. If you uh, enjoyed the podcast, uh, please um, consider sharing it with someone that might need to hear it or subscribing uh, to the podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, we'll see you again next week. Thanks for joining us. Talk to you soon. See you.